You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul Pierce is the mother truth. Knocks it down! Celtics win! 50 points for Jason Tatum! Brad, any final words of advice for the new coach? Win! It is possible! It is possible! Welcome to Celtic Strong, a podcast that journeys backwards through Boston Celtics history and lore. Join two proud fans who are definitely not experts as we look back era by era. And we are back for episode six of Celtic Strong, the fast rebuild of 2013 to 2015. Of course, starting with a monumental trade. On draft night 2013, Steve, do you know where you were on draft night 2013? I do. I remember being really stunned. Um, I was in New York. Mm -hmm. All the buzz about the new team, the Nets, the new ownership, everyone excited. And uh, it was really stunning because they were, you know, from that perspective, because they were like, wow. They are like Brooklyn is really trying to make something happen here with their new franchise. Um, really trying. Yeah. And equally, for obviously, being a Celtics fan, just feeling the loss, you know, right away, it was almost like, you know, they was, you know, they were older in their career, obviously. Sure. Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, you really thought they had, they still had a lot left in the tank. Um, and just for everything that Paul Pierce meant to the organization, it was pretty surreal to watch him be traded wow. like that. Wow. This was potentially, of course, we are not experts, potentially nope. the biggest Celtics draft night trade ever. Certainly up there. I know there's some other ones we can throw in there. But this well, it was one- from my lifetime. Wow, for our lifetime, for our lifetimes thus far, definitely the biggest. And I believe it was Bill Simmons 
who said on that night, the two best players of my franchise for the last 20 years were just traded. And that was definitely pretty clear. And the feeling among Celtics fans, many of whom were rocked by the draft night trade on 2013, which sent most of the Celtics roster in the end. Uh, Of course, Jason Terry and others going with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett to Brooklyn for what ended up being three first-round picks and the right to swap picks in 2017. And at the time, it was uncertain what those picks would amount to be. And that is why a lot of Celtics fans were unsure because Brooklyn had just acquired Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. Not only two incredible Celtics, but two amazing all-stars to add to a promising roster. And it looked like they would then be good for these years we had gotten the picks. So what gives? Now, personally, this was a very hard, hard night mm-hmm. for me. Because Steve, as you know, but our listeners might not, Paul Pierce is my favorite basketball player ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The truth, everyone. The truth. The truth. And he spent his whole career up until this night on the Celtics. And I thought, wow, is, can he be one of those guys? Can he be uh, MJ, Kobe? Of course, MJ ended up going elsewhere, so not even MJ did it, but Kobe, <laughs> Dirk Nowitzki. Patrick uh, Ewing. <laughs> you know, there were a few in this more modern era that still did it, but not many. And when they traded Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, I remember being very torn, Steve, because while on the surface it was unclear what they were getting in return, the team now had not improved for a couple years. In fact, they had started to backslide from their two finals runs in the first three years of this new big three. So it did look like they needed to do something, but this was not what we were expecting. Wow. Yeah, it turned out well, uh, but in the moment, a very tough pill to swallow and to very. understand. Yeah, and, and, you know, Danny had made a lot of shrewd moves up until that point. Many trades, Kevin Garnett trade being one, Ray Allen sticks out to me, you know, all those things. But this sort of, I feel, and I'm going to ask you this question, did this kind of cement his, the... Trader Danny legacy that sort of swirled around him and his I time. I feel like as it GM. must have. I feel yeah. like it must have. Of all the moves, small and large, uh, of course, we just covered in the last episode the amazing deadline deal that netted Isaiah Thomas. But of all the moves, this one, I believe, really cemented that Trader Danny reputation. And of course, there's some great stories about this. I know we've been doing some research, Steve, and some amazing stories about the Nets GM and his regret around this. Oh, yeah. Yet I yeah. think back, you know, and even if, you know, he had wished he, uh, he slept on it, right? Yeah, he wanted to have, in retrospect, he wanted to wait you know, 12 hours, 24 hours, and 
think any about big it decision, again. right? Like any big decision, you should. <laughs> yeah. You gotta. You gotta sleep on it. And yet, it's good even, life advice, right? And even still, you know, looking back from Brooklyn's perspective, as everyone kind of thought they would be a lot better, right? These are middling mm-hmm. picks, and maybe nothing even really high in the lottery uh, if things go a little different. And of course. Uh, this is a draft night trade, but not a trade involving the draft it happens on, right? So yeah. there's no 2013 picks exchanged. And this is, uh, for the Celtics, complete and total roster dump, right? Yes, absolutely. And just uh, pulling the Band-Aid off and just saying, you know, 08 was great and we have to move on. Yep. Rip it right off. Yep. It never topped that first full season, mm-hmm. even though they did get back to the finals. And wow, what could have been in that second run two years later? But really, it started off so high by this point. Uh, Ray Allen had left and the ship had sailed and the trade was made, Steve. And we go into the next season, the 2013 2014 season. With a new coach, no big three, and a really, really low estimated win total. And boy, (laughs) did this team live up to it. They delivered. (laughs) They delivered. So, Steve, without further ado, we got to get into it. We got to talk about the down year. And, you know, it was really just one bottoming out year. Amazing that it was such a short rebound and that it was only one utterly disappointing losing season. Though going in, we kind of knew what we were getting. So I don't know how disappointing it is really, but it certainly was not a Celtics team for the ages. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Total rebuild, total rebuild team. Um, You know, we talked, we've talked about, uh, Recent seasons having a lot of tough breaks with injuries and things not going our way. Um, in a lot of ways, um, this big trade and what transpired and what those picks eventually became became was um, a positive break, a good break for the Celtics. And the fact yeah. that it was just this one down season is ultimately a good break for them, right? So they made this giant trade on draft night in 2013. Yep. Picked up a bunch of players. No picks that season, but they did pick up Kelly Olynyk in that draft. That's right. Um, the Canadian center, who was a mm-hmm. staple over the next five years or so. Yeah, and you know, the more that we look back, the more we do research, the more I look at these drafts, the more I realize, like, wow, like the draft really is kind of a crapshoot. Like they, <laughs> you know, again, we're not experts. I'm not an expert, but it just really seems Certainly like not. they make the best call. But oftentimes it's elusive, like who is all NBA. And, you know, if you look at that draft, they took Kelly Olinick, I think two players later, uh, a young, skinny Greek player um, <laughs> named Giannis gets drafted by the Bucks. And it's right. just who would have known, you know, like in that um, well, is 15 teams didn't know, right? Yeah, that's, clearly. That's always the thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, they had a down year. Um, and very Olin- down year. Olenek um, became a very good player for them for a few the few years that he was on the team. So that was a you know a positive pick. I feel like Danny's drafting 
always gave you the best chance to get a good player. You know, at every every time he tried, you you can pick apart some of the method to his madness, what he was seeing, sure. you know, what he was getting at. He had an opportunity, you know, in the in the subsequent years to pick, you know, high in the draft. Um, yeah. and he did a good job delivering on that. And it would be really foolish to think you could ever look back at one general manager's drafts year after year and there would be no misses, right? Sure. Uh, so there's certainly swings and misses. And Danny is really, you know, as we were saying, uh, often known as Trader Danny. And I yeah. think his legacy is more known for trades than drafts, mm -hmm. though they are very intimately tied because of this Brooklyn deal, among others. And so going into this abominable season uh, <laughs> with a very uh, interesting-looking roster. Uh, I do remember watching this team this season, Steve, and, yeah. uh, and kind of just going with the, uh, the, I can't even say mediocrity, just the absurdity, the <laughs> absurdity of this team <laughs> and looking at, you know, kind of the rosters and, and top guys, they were running out and it's Brad Stevens first year, not only on the Celtics, but in the NBA. And of course that college to NBA leap for coaches had been yeah. hard, not just for all coaches, but specifically the Celtics, who had tried the Rick Pitino experiment, and that had failed. So in this moment... Yeah, so some baggage coming on. So wow, what was your vibe? Baggage. Right, right. So when, when they brought Brad Stevens in, what were your right. impressions of him? And then uh, what did you see early on in that season? Yeah. So it was hard not to get a little worried, thinking about... Right. Patino about Stevens being, you know, right. younger. You were, still, you were still scarred dealing with the trauma of Rick Patino. <sighs> it's hard not to be. And yet, <laughs> <laughs> and yet, Steve, not only as Celtic Strong fans, but as positive people, I remember there being a lot of buzz around Brad Stevens. I do too. And while it was hard to buy in immediately, sight unseen, you know, he's just a college coach with a little success so far. I remember everyone being into this trade as far as the media and critics, the people whose voices generally were trusted and I looked to. People thought very, very highly of Brad Stevens. So I yeah. just kind of went with it. And I remember, yeah, I remember. Uh how young he was was kind of right. what differentiated him from a Patino or like those those yep. other kind of classic college coaches who had this Old major school. college career yep. and come in and try to run things there. You know, it just Their seemed way. like he was exactly like he was more of an innovator. He had a younger approach to the game. He could identify with the players more or better. Right. Yeah, and probably more fit for the NBA game, which is so focused on. Uh, analytics, basketball smarts, uh, out of you know timeout plays, uh, things like that, which Stevens immediately showed he was really good at. And so at the time of his hire, I remember being optimistic because, hey, <laughs> they just yeah. traded away their whole team and <laughs> Doc Rivers. And so it was, you know, it was start over, wipe the slate clean. 
and it sounded like a good fit for a rebuild, right? So yeah, totally. It was hard to see how long or how sort of deep the crater was going to last for this rebuild. So it sounded like, yeah, you know, a young college guy that people are high on, supposed to be a smart, really well-respected guy. Yeah, give him five years, see what he can do. And he essentially got one year of leeway, as it turned yeah. out. And that I was needed this, one year. <laughs> well, yeah, only needed, really. That's a great yeah. way to put it, Steve. And, uh, and that was this, this down year. And, um, you know, there's not a ton to dig into. We don't really need to, uh, you know, spend too much time on the 25-win season that it was. Sure, um, sure. But, you know, it is good to just mention every once in a while, check back in on who was on this team, who played this year in those minutes, and uh, who helped us to this uh, 25 and 57 <laughs> Boston Celtics right. team that, you know, did serve the quick rebound. And we'll talk about that a little more as we get deeper into this quick two-year rebuild. So. Steve, looking at the players this year, we've got Jeff Green. We've still got Brandon Bass. We've yeah. got a young Jared Sullinger and Avery Bradley. Nice. As we talked about, we've got Kelly Olynyk, And then let's talk about who came over in the Brooklyn Nets trade. Oh, yeah. Gerald Wallace and Chris <laughs> Humphreys. Uh, Gerald Wallace, of course, uh, was... Getting a little older as well, probably a little closer to uh, Paul Pierce's age um, than any of these younger guys. Uh, at one point, considered a really good two-way forward. And I think in today's NBA, the way that he was kind of like a, a stretch four um, and could really play D when he was younger, I think he would still be a good player. And he had aged quite a bit, lost a step athletically, but was really fun to still watch out there. Crash, is that right? Was that his? I believe that was his nickname. <laughs> yeah. Um, we got Jordan Crawford, and Brad Stevens actually kind of revitalizes his career over these couple of years. Um, Chris Humphreys, and just a really interesting roster. Um, yeah. Kelly Olynyk really gets to play as a rookie because of this, and it's a lot of fun in that the uh, expectations are very low. The team is not very good, and you kind of have good, to just but go very, very, yeah, very <laughs> scrappy though, right? I mean, just a scrappy group. They they worked really hard, you know, like uh, especially Sullinger. Um, you talk about Bass. You talk about Olynyk. Like you know. They give Avery a Bradley. lot, you know. They they yeah. seem to be, uh, they seem to be working hard and giving a lot. Yeah, just really an undermanned team, not yeah. top tier talent anymore on this Celtics team, and they really did uh, bear the brunt of this Brooklyn trade, right? They oh, uh, totally. <laughs> I am glad that I am glad that you brought up Crawford because I think that was an interesting, interesting example of seeing an early moment where Brad Stevens' system affects a player, especially at the the point position, right? Because he did play pretty well. He did. He absolutely did. 
And interestingly enough, Steve, also someone who is kind of like a combo shooting guard, but really Brad placed him in that role. We had a bunch of injuries. Rondo actually gets hurt for a lot of this season. So they did still oh, yeah. have Rondo. And God, we forgot about Rondo. That all-star, right? No, it's crazy. <laughs> Wait, they did, yeah, they traded. Ray Allen left the year before. Then they trade Pearson Garnett. But Rondo's still there. And right. it's him and Brandon Bass. But Rondo gets hurt. And so while Rondo's still a top all-star point guard, he gets hurt and he's out a lot of this season. And really, that's it. You know, his days, you know, on the Celtics are numbered. So Jordan Crawford is kind of put into the point guard role to fill a spot. And he's sort of, at least seemingly at the time, out of position. And as you were saying, Brad, puts him in a system where he starts to excel. And then a very similar thing happens over the next couple of years with Evan Turner. And yep. both of them benefit from it. Both of them revive their careers. Evan Turner goes on to parlay that into a great contract with the Trailblazers and play there for many years. So, yeah, it's a great call. It's a first insight into what Brad Stevens could do and how he can make and take role players and put them in these positions to succeed and become mm-hmm. really core rotation guys. So yeah. yeah, a lot of great stuff comes out of this down season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, you know, an equally interesting off season and and draft ahead. So you know, like we said, you know, catching a good breaks in regards to what the the Brooklyn trade turned out to be, and then also having this down year um, yeah. gave them the ability to have a high draft pick um, that summer. And they were able right. to take uh, Marcus Smart with the sixth pick. And then they had a, yeah. an additional pick from Brooklyn that year. Yeah, so they do end up getting Marcus with their pick, right? Number six mm-hmm. uh, from their down year. Could have hope, you know, hoped that was a little higher in the lottery. But, of course, they make a, a great pick with Marcus Smart, uh, core and now longest tenured Celtic. Yeah, and so Evan Turner coming back, improving his game. Avery Bradley, obviously. Um, was Crowder a trade acquisition, or did he sign with the team going into this season? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, they got Jay Crowder in a trade. And yeah, like you said, Evan Turner really started to take off. Marcus having um, immediate impact was a top yeah. rota- top five rotation guy right off the bat and they're still you know leaning on kelly olinick and sullinger up front a lot so you've got these two young big men uh olinick as the stretch five and sullinger as the kind of undersized but uh you know stocky rebounding four and this is a lot more exciting promising team Partially because of that, you know, Jay Crowder trade, though that's early season. So going into the season, it's really just about another year under Brad Stevens and maturation of young guys, right? So did Crowder come over in the Rondo trade to Dallas? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Rondo is so great. And if we want to just have a little memorial for this moment in, in Celtic strong history when Rondo was you know, left the team and that, that real chapter of the, 
the 08 championship era kind of ended with, you know, with this Brooklyn trade and then Rondo being traded to the Mavs. But um, Rondo is fun to watch. I mean, Rondo always just, oh, he yeah. brought like a lot of really um, wonderful plays and what a facilitator and passer and to watch him grow into gaining more confidence as a scorer and be able to create um, was really cool. So it was um, like, I always love Rondo. Yeah. Just like, he, he also was such a homegrown Boston star, um, really late first round pick. Um, and the beauty of Rondo is that he was able to be the perfect little brother and compliment to the big three when Boston pulled the trigger on that trade and being an old school defensive pass first, you know, high basketball IQ point guard. He fit perfectly. It was such a great serendipitous moment for the Celtics to align positionally. You've got Rondo and Kendrick Perkins. Perkins was one of the last high school to NBA guys. A total homegrown guy as well. Developmental pick who his first few years hadn't even played. And between him and getting Rondo late in the first round and developing him. That was such an amazing time for the Celtics and what they had built. And yeah, Steve, it really does deserve a moment in and of itself to just thank Rajon Rondo for his service to the Boston Celtics, for his tough-nosed <laughs> play, for his yeah. leadership on and off the court. You know, he was always said to be a very cerebral person and player sometimes would clash with others. And yet, yeah. one thing is for sure, Rondo was a Celtics strong player, contributor, and championship guard. What a player on the court. Definitely. And someone who keeps, they keep bringing into teams, you know, it, later in his career as like a veteran, they'd want to bring him in to sort of affect that's right. The, the locker room and, and give a championship mentality and, and yeah. a leadership role. So it's something that yep. he really kind of grew into. So goodbye, Rondo. And, and, yeah. uh, and end then, truly of the previous chapter as they, yeah. uh, as they send him out and uh, they do get Jay Crowder back in that deal. So great. So you add Jay Crowder to Evan Turner, right? right? Mm-hmm. You have Avery Bradley, you have Crawford. Yep. So immediately, you know, the, the Celtics had this one down year and they were expecting these Brooklyn picks to maybe materialize in a few years, but certainly years. not as, as quickly as that. So you had the, that first 2014 year um, where there was kind of that 17th pick that was the one Brooklyn. And then when we get to 2016, all of a sudden, it's a super high pick that I don't think, you know, this notion of like being able to draft yeah. Jalen Brown was probably beyond Danny Ainge's wildest dreams when he pulled that trade off initially in 2013. Going back to this quick rebuild we're talking about, Steve, in these two, you know, down years, one very down year, and the second 2014, 2015 year, it starts to look up. One thing is really clear on Brooklyn's side. 
their plan to go all in and win now did not work. Nope. And they pull the plug a lot sooner than anyone could have expected. So Mm. while Danny, yeah, imagining the third pick in 2016 would have been really lofty for Danny, that's because I don't think anyone could have imagined how quickly Brooklyn pulls the plug on this roster. Yeah, it's fascinating how quickly uh, there's roster turnover in the NBA. In one year, you can you can completely turn over your team. We've talked a little bit about that in some of the turnover in the more recent years, right? Um, but in these, you know, in these years, especially with both of these teams, um, and I think there was uh, it was interesting when they made this the big Brooklyn trade. And they were like, okay, we're starting a rebuild. It was almost like a delayed rebuild. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that in that next year, the 14-15 year, was the real like rebuild year when they finally moved Rondo and then acquired Isaiah Thomas. And then going into that next year, they had they wound up having that high draft pick. Um, so that that first year after the the big Brooklyn trade had more to do with bringing in a new coach, turning a new page, you know, creating a new culture before they got the, you know began to really get the players in there to, to execute the rebuild. They were like, you know, digging the foundation first. Yeah. Before putting in the, in the actual supports. Yeah. Yeah. And it was definitely a commitment to rebuilding the team in these years and going a, di- di- and going a different direction. Yeah. Hiring Brad Stevens, uh, you know, clearing the roster of the veterans who had brought them to two finals appearances and playoffs every year in this previous Big Three era. And so here we are in 2014, 2015. They trade Rondo, and the team is a lot better than the year before, uh, but they're still not great. And they are kind of hanging outside of playoff contention uh, in the East, which is certainly not anything to uh, be psyched about. But the team shows a lot more promise. And I remember it being fun to watch this year in that you could see the actual improvement and they were actually in a lot of games. Like we've said, this was uh, Evan Turner really had a uh, you know a great couple years here and this year sort of the last year I feel like he was uh, featured and uh, you know he was a former number two overall pick uh, who had wow. really kind of his stock had fallen and he comes back and has a great impact this year and this is a good fun team to watch a very team first um, you know everyone's just kind of bought into this new coach, new system, new culture. There's no more of the leftovers from the old era. And it's a team that's playing a lot looser and a lot better. And really, Steve, that all ratchets up another notch with, as we've said, the trade that kind of bookends this very brief down period a deadline deal, which sends shooting guard Marcus Thornton 
former Sacramento Nets star, 20-point-a-game scorer in Sacramento, and he is traded along with a draft pick for Isaiah Thomas, another former Sacramento 20-point-per-game scorer. Yeah, it's cool to look at it really bookending the Brooklyn trade, right, two years later. So um, especially because it was the opposite of the Brooklyn trade, whereas that was such a massive trade that was like so scrutinized. And then they make this little trade that not many people talk about, no one really cared about them getting Isaiah Thomas. And that was the real spark that turned this team around really you know, did. at this point in history. Yeah. Yeah. It goes from a, a team that's starting to show some promise, uh, play a bit better to actually making the playoffs. Isaiah starts coming off the bench immediately, makes an impact, and sends them on the trajectory of the next few years, the Isaiah years, which we just covered in episode five. So Steve, we've gone from Brooklyn to Isaiah. We've gone from (laughs) one of the more earth-shattering, fan-base-awakening talked about trades in many, many years to a very unheralded small deadline deal that would shift the franchise's fortunes. And that really is the bookend to the short era, as we've said. Yeah, we said goodbye to KG and Paul Pierce and Rondo. We said hello to Brad Stevens, to Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder. So it's... uh, you know, these, these moments in your sports team's history are so important, right? When you have to, like, blow it up and change it. Um, and, and I really love the NBA in the, in the way that can just so drastically happen, you know, from year to year or within the course of two years. It's unlike any other sport, and it's really yeah. fascinating to watch. It really is. And when you have such a small roster, right, you have five players on the court, active roster size is 15 usually so few players so few players actually playing in a rotation you get this amazing up and down sometimes that happens and that's what we see here an amazingly quick rebuild a lightning rebuild and (laughs) no one could have guessed i think even at the end of this season what would really happen Because, of course, Steve, at the end of this season, we've got Isaiah. There is some promise. But this is not yet a really good team. They make the playoffs but lose. And in this offseason, we don't yet have a Brooklyn pick that's going to amount to anything too big. Remember, 2015 was the year they didn't have a Brooklyn pick. So it's actually kind of a little quiet But yet, everything's already in place because, as we know, Isaiah just comes roaring out of the gates, and they're good pretty quickly in the next season. Yeah. So this rebuild really wasn't even two whole years. uh, Yeah. You know, really cool to look back at it. Really cool to see, you know, what they did and what and remember the quirky team that existed, you know, (laughs) after this gigantic Brooklyn trade in 2013. Yeah, uh, pretty uh, pretty memorable couple of years of uh, of quickly turning over 
and rebuilding this team back to a legit contender. In a couple more years, they would be in the Eastern Conference Finals, which, of course, we know because we talked about those seasons already. So this has been a great, great talk about this time, Steve. And I'm really glad we got to dig into the Brooklyn trade. What a time. Uh, What a memorable time. And it ended such an amazing, what, five years of just utter amazing dominance of the Atlantic division. And to think that it was only these two years is pretty incredible. I always think about after a championship, you got to give it at least 10 years before you can really get, you know, upset about any down years. And and they were back in the conference finals so quickly. So, uh, Kudos to, you know, the ownership and to Danny and uh, Brad Stevens. Wow. Just really leaning into this moment and role and uh, seemingly being a great fit in this time for the Celtics uh, and having a great impact, as we've said, on some players whose careers had maybe passed them by a little or their expectations had fallen a lot. Evan Turner, Jordan Crawford, uh, some other great moments in these seasons. So thank you to this lightning quick rebuild for giving us a little downtime to then appreciate how incredibly quick it was and how well the Brooklyn trade ended up turning out as we look forward to those picks. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, super cool to go back over this with you and look at these seasons. And thank you to everyone that's listening. Please, if we we are fans, we are not experts. We so are if not we experts. Made, yeah, if we left anything out or didn't mention anyone that you're really passionate about, we definitely want to hear about it. Chime in in the comments yep. and let us know. So big thank you to you for listening and big thank you to CelticStrong.com, the number one fan forum on the internet for all things Celtics and Celtics fans. This has been another Celtics Strong. Thank you.